The views, opinions, and comments expressed by hosts, guests, and callers of this show are not necessarily those of this station, its parent company, TeleSouth Media, its staff, management, or advertisers. Content of this broadcast cannot be duplicated or used in any way without the express written consent of TeleSouth Media Incorporated. Now, join us for Advisors Roundtable with your hosts, certified financial planners, Greg Cooley and Bubba Labus. It's professional advice for your life. Welcome to the Advisors Roundtable. Certified financial planners, Greg Cooley and Bubba Labus with you right here on Super Talk Radio. Thanks a lot for listening, and we do appreciate all of our fine sponsors throughout the state making this possible. So, uh, Bubba, from time to time we have medical experts on here, people from hospitals and doctors, and we talk about health care and things. Let's say that we had one of our doctors, let's say a medical expert like Dr. Amy Davis on okay. one day, and she's talking about antibiotics. Does that necessarily mean she's recommending antibiotics for everybody who listens to her? No, I think she's uh, describing the, the benefits and characteristics of an antibiotic. In a specific in a specific situation, situation. and right. they're they're and, and you know uh, I know very little about antibiotics, but I know that there are different types. Yeah, yeah. I'm mean, going all the way yeah. back to penicillin yeah. and coming all the way through to five or six different options you have today for a sinus infection. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the reason I brought that up is that from time to time we have people listen to us, and we will talk about like last week. We talked about insurance because this is Life Insurance Awareness Month right. with Penn Majors, mm-hmm. with State Farm. Um, some people need life insurance. Some people don't. So just because we bring up a specific thing on the Advisors Roundtable doesn't necessarily mean that it's applicable to everybody. Correct. Just like Dr. Amy's discussion of antibiotics on a spe- specific yep. day wouldn't mean that you need to run out and get some antibiotics. Mm-hmm. Just, I had- I had the opportunity last night to, to speak to a local church, mm-hmm. and uh, and they've been gifted uh, an amount of money, uh, and they're looking at options available to them. Mm-hmm. And and you know I went to them. I said, "Look, the sky's the limit when it comes to options. When it comes to investment choices that you can make, right. you know, you can do CDs, you can do bonds, you can do exchange traded funds, you can do mutual funds, you can do stocks." Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, there's a, a wide, wide gamut there, right. right? Right. But I told them all because uh, this is really on in the preliminary stages of, of what they want to do. I said, mm-hmm. "What would be a better option and mm-hmm. a better exercise for you to do is to tell me what your needs are. Mm-hmm. What are your goals with this money? Mm-hmm. You know, do you have a building campaign coming up? Do you want to use this as more of an endowment model that's going to pay for your yard upkeep for the next twenty years? Right." You know, um, and they hadn't gone through that process yet. So Mm -hmm. um, much like an antibiotic, you've got to know what the symptoms are before you know what to prescribe. Right, right. And that's part of what the doctor and nurse practitioner, uh, physician's assistant, whatever, is doing when you go to the doctor. Right. They ask you all those questions. You know, where does it hurt? Mm -hmm. Have you had any fever? Is it keeping you up at night? All of those sorts of things. In order yeah. to be able to decide what your prescription should be. Mm-hmm. The same thing is related to investments. Right. We can't necessarily stand in the line at Walmart and give out investment advice, the same advice mm-hmm. to everybody who passes us. Because some people are different. Mm-hmm. 
Some people have done this before. Some people haven't. Some people are risk takers. Some people aren't. Some people are young. Some people are old. Some people have a fair amount of uh, discretionary income so they can make up for some losses. Some people, this is all they've got. And, and most of the time when you're in, in line at the grocery store and somebody asks you for investment <laughs> advice, they do. They want to know what one stock they need to purchase that's going to go up a thousand percent in the next year. Oh, yeah. Give me yeah, yeah, just right. right now, within the next 30 seconds, uh-huh. fix my entire financial life. Exactly. <laughs> right. And, and I'm sure that happens to doctors, too. Uh-huh. You know, somebody comes up and says, you know, I got this bunion on my foot. You know, what's one thing I ought to be doing for uh-huh. it? Well, you know, have you tried changing shoes? Uh, you know, I don't right. know. I don't know mm-hmm. what the one thing you would say. And I, and sometimes I have that blank look on my face when people ask us those kinds mm-hmm. of questions. The reason I say that is that over the next uh, 30, 45 minutes on this show, I'm going to get us into a discussion about what everybody ought to do. There are some things everybody ought to do. If we had Dr. Davis on, she would say, uh, take your vitamins, mm-hmm. exercise a little bit, don't overeat, eat, follow, a, eat a healthy diet, eat a healthy diet, make sure there's some green in there. Get you know? plenty of rest. Yeah, yeah, you know, six to ten mm-hmm. hours worth of sleep every night. Mm-hmm. There are some things everybody ought to do right. physically. Mm-hmm. And you know, if we all did the, just those basic things, the things grandma and mother told us to do, how much healthier would we be? Mm-hmm. I don't know. So is there some general financial stuff everybody ought to do? Yep. You say this all the time. Don't spend more than you may. Yeah. Let's just start there. Mm-hmm. There are some things that all of us ought to do that do, it doesn't necessarily have to come with some sort of disclaimer all the discussions mm-hmm. we previously had don't necessarily apply to everybody who's within earshot yeah. of this particular broadcast blah 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 yeah some things apply to all of us right yeah don't spend more than you make right uh don't get too emotional I, I like the, that one, you know, um, don't spend more than you make because it's a really a foundational building block. Is it ever? You yeah. can't save money if you don't have any money to save. No. And if you spend more than you make, you're not going to have any money to save. And you're going to have too much debt. Right. Huh? Mm-hmm. And you're going to have arguments. Right. You're going to get mad at her because she spent too much on shoes. Mm-hmm. She's going to get mad at you because all you do is fish. I mean... It, 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 <laughs> And then that, that leads to that second thing about being emotional. Mm-hmm. You like to fish too much. Too yeah. much. Mm-hmm. You like to play golf. Too much. Yeah. Too much. You well, like now, what's you? the definition of too much, though? <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yeah. There you go, meddling. Uh, uh, going, uh, yeah, right. You do. And I'd say if you're starting to show symptoms, if you're starting to you know, have arguments about it, mm-hmm. if you're starting to spend too much on it, and you're not in the position where you have money left at the end of the month for the for the rent or for the electricity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's too much. Sure. So we all need to do certain things. We're going to talk about your spending. We're going to talk about debt. We're going to talk about investing. We're going to talk about knowledge. We're going to talk about a number of things that everybody ought to do. And part of that is knowledge of the economy. Mm-hmm. 
everybody, I don't care whether you liked economics in high school or not, you need to be aware of certain things that are going on that can affect you. Mm-hmm. Interest rates, stock market, taxation. Right. How does a will work? Mm-hmm. What happens when you have to go through probate? All of those yeah. things are things happening around you that one day will truly affect you. So today we're going to talk about things that everybody ought to do related to their finances here on the Advisors Roundtable on Super Talk Radio. Welcome back to the Advisors Roundtable, Certified Financial Planners, Bubba Labus, and yours truly, Greg Cooley, with you right here on Super Talk Radio. So, Bubba, uh, we're talking about some things that everybody ought to do that aren't specific to any particular set of people, despite uh, what your income is. There are certain financial attitudes and actions that we all ought to do. Don't spend more than you make. Don't get too emotional. Let's stop there on that one. Uh, within the last few days, we could spend 10 whole shows on that yeah, one. We could, right? the stock market, uh, freaked out a little mm-hmm. bit about the fed and China and mm-hmm. that sort of thing. In the last day or two, have you had anybody call the office, uh, you know, afraid, uh, wanting to put all their money in cash, uh, what's going to happen, uh, just full of trepidation. So that. I'm proud to say that fewer people have called in mm-hmm. that than would have, you know, a couple of years ago, 10 years ago, 15 years ago. Okay. Um, and, and I feel like uh, the reason there are fewer people that have called in is because we've done a better job of educating clients on what to expect. And in any given year. And. In any given year, mm. right? And even though the market, I, th- I think the Dow Jones yesterday was down 900 points at, 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 in the at, middle of the in day. In the middle of the day, right? Um, yeah, that's a that's a big number. Mm-hmm. And used to be you would hear of a 900 point drop in the Dow Jones and think, oh, you know, mm. we're getting ready for Armageddon, right? Right. Well, it was about a two percent change. <laughs> yeah, given where it is. Given where it is today. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, y- even though um, news outlets, et cetera, et cetera, like to lead with that. The Dow was down 900 points midday, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We're going straight down the tubes, mm-hmm. that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you look at it uh, in perspective, you know, a 2% change used to be quite common and, right. and still is somewhat common. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're always telling yeah. people that in a given year, we're going to go down 5% two or three times, yeah. 10% once or twice, mm-hmm. and 20% every year or two. Uh, it, it's going to be volatile. Yeah. There are going to be some legitimate reasons it's going to do it. There are yeah. going to be some reasons that just come out of left for you. And, and in fact, in, in this particular scenario, it was yesterday morning, and, and you know, I, was, I was reading about uh, the futures were pointing down six or 700 points. Mm-hmm. Uh, before the market opened, um, and and it was all about uh, this Chinese company losing their credit facility. Yeah, and there was a timeline of events: uh, September twentieth, I think the twenty third, and maybe the twenty fourth. Mm. And I was, and you know, this has happened for the last several years in a row. Yeah. This particular company has yeah. had these uh, credit events yeah. where you know they've got interest due, yeah. right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yesterday, I, I made the comment. I was like, you know, they're just figuring out 
all this now? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I think they were just looking right. for an excuse. They right. picked on one mm-hmm. thing that seemed to be significant, yeah. and a little bit of money needed to mm-hmm. be moved around, and some people need to take some risk off the table, and so they did. Right. So, how do you keep from getting emotional? Mm-hmm. Well, number one, I'm going to lead us down this road, and that is, you need to be a little more aware. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know the the next door neighbors. There's a lot of a lot of noise coming from the house over there. Mm-hmm. Well, if you've just moved in to where you are, you don't realize that those are just loud people. Right. You know, it, really? Mm-hmm. I mean, it happens. I remember when I was in college and I lived in a certain uh, apartment complex. I had, you know, I moved in. And within two or three days, these people next door, I mean, my goodness, I wanted to call the landlord. I wanted to call the cops. It was extremely loud. Mm-hmm. And I realized that, uh, no, he's not trying to kill her. And no, she's not going to call her brother to kill mm-hmm. him. Uh, those people are just loud. Yeah. And there have been some complaints of them mm-hmm. before, about them before. Uh, and the other people in, in the apartment complex just didn't act like it was such a big deal. Mm-hmm. But to me, I was like, dude, I mean, my goodness, they sound like they're coming through the walls right. over there. They're just loud mm-hmm. people. Well, if you've lived there a while and you're exposed to it a little bit, you're a little more comfortable with it. You mm-hmm. understand it. So one thing related to not being so emotional is get yourself a little more comfortable with how things work and a little more educated. To that end, I'm going to educate you a little bit. Since the 1930s, mm-hmm. okay, since the 1930s, let's just pick on the stock market. All right, that's, and, that's 91 years. Yeah, 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 yeah. Since the over over the last 80 or 90 years, mm-hmm. you think that's a big enough sample size? I think so to be able to kind of give us what uh, the market may or may not do. Mm-hmm. Okay, all right. So you know how many negative years. At the end of the year, looking at January, going through February, or, or, or through December, just through 12 months, okay. just a yearly snapshot. Right. You know what I mean? How many of those 80 or 90 years have been have ended the year negative? I don't, with, I don't. So I, I like guessing mm-hmm. at these things. That's the reason I threw it out there. Without right. This is the S&P 500. Team. S&P 500 over the last 90 years, I'm going right. to guess, was negative out of those 90 years about 22 times. Perfect. 90, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No right, kidding. Right. Out of 91 years, 22. I got it right. Right. Yep. All right. Now, Perfect. I haven't looked at any of this information. No, no, I, I'm, but, not you know, you, I'm not going to yeah. let you. All right. So this is why I'm so 22. Good, good at these numbers, Greg. All right. So you subtract 22 off uh-huh. of 91. Right. All right. That leaves you, what, 69? Mm-hmm. It's been positive 69 years. Yeah. Now, let's go back on the negative side. Yeah. Okay. Out of that 20 or 22 times that it's been mm-hmm. negative. Okay. All right. You know how many times it finished the year down more than 25 points? More than 25? More than 25 points. Points or percent? Or percentage. Percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, three? Three. Exactly. Three times. So if I'm freaking out about the market going down... I'm talking like four or five percent. If you took three times over 91 years, it ain't that big of a percentage chance. Right. Now, you think, oh, yeah, but there's still a chance. Let's let's remember what years, though. So Mm -hmm. uh, 2008. Yeah, 2008. 
1974. 1974 and 1937? 1937. Okay. It was down greater than 25%. Greater than 25 Now, in the middle of those mm-hmm. years, sometimes they were, you know, the market was down 50, 60. Right. But it settled out mm-hmm. at the end of the year, December 31. Look at it. Where is it? Only three times was it down more than 25%. Okay. I'm How, feeling pretty good. I'm two for two right now. All right. So we've gotten three of the mm-hmm. years off the table because they were down more than 25%. Right. You know how many times it was down 20%? Uh, one to two. One. Okay. You know how many times it was down 15%? That, again, probably one to two. One. You know how many times it was down between five and 10%? That's going to be a, a bigger sample size, I would yeah. say. Um, so we've got 22 times. Mm-hmm. We've already used up five or six of them. Yeah, I'm going to say 10 or 11. Yep. Yep. 10. 10. All right. And between zero and five, there were five. Yeah. Okay, so you add all that up, and that gets you your 22. Mm-hmm. All right. So we get concerned. We're a little kids scared sometimes and we get fearful which means that we get emo we're emotional about our money Mm -hmm. um and maybe we should be we should be at least informed we understand that it is possible that you could have a negative year all right so let me ask you this how many times do you think in that 91 years there were two consecutive negative years Ooh, uh, maybe twice. All right, so 40 and 41. Were negative years together. In 1940, it was down 9.8%. Okay. In 1941, it was down 11.6%. All right. All right. It was during the middle of World War II. That's right. Right. 1975 and 76. Okay. All right, 1976 was one of those bad years. It was down 26.3%. Three in 1975, it was down 0.9%. Mm-hmm. All right. Only times that it was down negatively two consecutive mm-hmm. years. The majority of the time when it was down significant, significantly negative, next year was a positive year. It yeah. bounced back up. Right. It has that tendency yeah. to do this bouncing. Now, none of this is guaranteed mm-hmm. that it's going to happen next year, but it gives you the probability of how it acts. Mm-hmm. All right. You, you say, well, you know, I don't like to live with probabilities of I don't know how the outcome's going to be. Well, you ever tried to raise a child? Yep. You ever driven a car? Can I guarantee you that you can drive from here to your home and not have a wreck? No. No. Can I guarantee you you can drive from here to the coast and not have a wreck? No. Can I guarantee you that tomorrow on the spelling test your child's going to make 100? No. The the better better probability to ask is between driving from here to home, how many potholes you're going to hit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Per hundred yards. Right. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So my concern for how things turn out, I've gotten accustomed to having a little volatility Mm -hmm. in other parts of my life. Sure. Why shouldn't I be a little accustomed to it in my financial life? Because it involves money, uh, and money is emotional. Uh, yeah. 
And our second rule after don't spend more than you can make that everybody ought to comply to, the second one is try not to get emotional about this. Try to see it as a business thing. Try to see it as a probability thing. Try to see it as something that maybe if you had a plan uh, that was catered to and fashioned to your personality and your own risk tolerance. Uh, And we're going to talk about that in the next segment here from the Advisors Roundtable on Super Talk Radio. Welcome back to the Advisors Roundtable. Certified Financial Planners, Cooley and Labus with you right here on Super Talk Radio. And so uh, we're discussing some things that everybody ought to be doing financially. Uh, first, don't spend more than you make. Secondly, don't get uh, too emotional. Thirdly, educate yourself a little bit. I, I want to go back to the emotional aspect mm. and, and tell you where the flaw is and what we were talking about a minute ago. Okay. It, it's not emotional until it becomes your money. Oh, so you're not that worried about how much Phil's lost. I'm not worried about what <laughs> Phil's lost. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah? I'm yeah. worried about when I look at my accounts and Ooh. see them go down Ooh. by a certain percentage. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. That's That's, right. that's when it hit, hits home. Gets personal. Yeah. And, and we've talked about it before, mm-hmm. um, the psychology of loss versus gain. Mm-hmm. And you are twice as likely to remember loss as opposed to the feeling of uh, elation and gain. You know, that's, it's weird to think about. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people maybe think, no, I, I really like to laugh, Bubba. Mm-hmm. I really like to feel good. I like yeah. elation. Right. Uh, that makes me feel good. No, I, I, no, it's not what you what you want. Mm-hmm. It's what you feel. That's right. When it happens, mm-hmm. you want elation. You don't want loss. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. But the the meter of how excited and how satisfied mm-hmm. you ha- are when you have elation. Right as opposed to the meter of how bad it gets mm-hmm. when you have loss yeah. is what we're talking about. That's correct. Because you want elation. Every do- everybody does. You want anticipation. You want all mm-hmm. that. But they don't always come. And when the elation comes, you on a, on a meter of, of emotion might be a 9.8. Mm-hmm. But when you have a loss you're a 26.4 that's correct huh yeah and people get angry mm-hmm. when they have some loss people get um resolved and resigned to the fact that they ain't doing this again that's right have you had people that tell you i'm never putting money in the stock market again? yeah Mm-hmm. Even if you give them all those statistics about the probabilities and how often it's been down. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we were talking a moment ago about how many times it's been down more than 25% and how, how many times it's been down more than 10% mm-hmm. and how many times total it's had a negative yeah. year over the last 91 years. When you look at a percentage there, you're thinking, you know, if, if my money is in here, let's say for 10 years, yeah. it's probably going to be up six or seven or eight of those. Right. 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 Well, and and we did it ourselves, right? Mm-hmm. We started this show by talking about the number of years that things were negative, right? Right. right. Even though that only makes up about twenty to twenty-five percent of the time, right? Right. Yeah. 
But it's because you remember the negative aspects as opposed to the positive ones. Yeah, and I wanted to address that right off the bat because I know that that is where the most feeling is. Mm -hmm. So let's give you the potential of the elation here. Right. Let's get you away from the negative. We talked about how many times it's been negative. We talked about how many times it's been negative 25%. Let's talk about the worst year on record. Okay. From January to December, the worst year on record was 2008. Yeah. Within this generation. Mm-hmm. Okay. It was negative 37%. Right. Okay. And the middle of that year is negative 50 or 60%. Correct. A couple of days. Yep. But it finished the year at a negative 37%. And you're thinking, oh, man, that hurts. I don't even want to think about having mm-hmm. $100 and it only being worth 63 at the end of the year. Yeah. However... How many times on the positive time side do you think the market was up 30% or more? Ooh, that's a good question. It was um, only down one time in the 30s. Greater than 30% uh, return in the S&P 500 over the last 90 years. Of, of 30% or more. 30% or more. I'm going to... Um, I'm going to take a wild stab at it here, but I'm going to say 14 times. I'm, I'm counting here 12, 13, 13 times. You're real close. 13 yeah. times, and actually, I need to correct myself. It was down twice in the 30s. Okay. Okay, it was down in 2008, 37%. Uh, it was down in, uh, in uh, 1937 at 34%. Okay. Okay, two th- times right. negative. So if you're looking about the p- most potential for hurt, mm-hmm. uh, two times there, and then... 13, 14 times, it was positive. Right. Over 30%. Mm-hmm. And two or three of those were directly after it had been negative more than 20%. Right. Really bounced back. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not trying to totally talk everybody be, to being into the stock market. Sure. Into the S&P 500. What I'm telling you is that sometimes it's not as bad as it feels. Mm-hmm. And sometimes... Even when it feels bad, it's not going to last that long. Right. That's what I need to understand. While we were at break, Phil, our executive producer over there, was telling us about people getting comfortable with a little risk. And he was telling you in his family that that, some of them lived in places where there were railroad tracks. Mm -hmm. And they got comfortable with looking both ways, slowing down, moving on. Other people... You know, first time they had crossed the railroad track or the first time in a few years they'd crossed a railroad track, they come up to that thing and they slam on the brakes. Yep. Slow everybody down because they, they get trepidation, mm-hmm. they get fear, they get anxious, anxiety jumps on them because they haven't done it that much. But if they moved into town and lived with the cousin for a three or four weeks and got kind of comfortable with that risk, because there is a risk in a railroad right. crossing, right? Sure there is. There's a risk in a railroad crossing. Every year we have people pass away. So you should slow down a little. Mm-hmm. Actually, the state says that certain vehicles have to stop. Okay? Yep. But you ought to slow down, you know, and, and give the right away and look both ways and that sort of thing. But over time, our human nature is what? Get comfortable with it. Yeah. Understand it didn't kill me yesterday mm-hmm. when I went over this thing. Oh, by the way, I don't hear any horns. I don't see any lights. That arm hasn't fallen down mm-hmm. and forced me to stop. 
And I look left and right, and I don't see anything within a few hundred yards. I move on. Right. But you can understand how that if uh, old Aunt Susie, who didn't live in a community where mm-hmm. there was a railroad track, if she came to your town to visit you, and maybe a couple weeks ago she read an article about how some guy got hit in his truck, and then she comes to a town where there's one of those railroad crossings, how's Aunt Susie going to act? Yeah. She's probably going to be scared. Mm-hmm. So if we deal with this more and we educate ourselves more, I think we're more capable of living with it. Yeah, it's easier to live with things if you have expectations. Okay. And if you go into something with the expectation that you could have a down downturn in it mm-hmm. or an upturn, mm-hmm. and you, you have that fully explained to you, mm-hmm. like, just like we talked about with antibiotics earlier. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're fully explained, hey, you know, these antibiotics, they could have these side effects, Your right? stomach's going to hurt. Yeah. You know. If you take a certain type, you, they might snap your tendons, yeah. right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. right. whatever. Right, 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 right. Absolutely. You need to understand that. And as with the people who are uh, dealing with the risk of the railroad track well, so they're slowing down, Mm -hmm. they're looking both ways, right? Mm -hmm. They're listening, bringing all their senses into play, and they're moving on. What should I do related to my risk uh, and how I deal with the the possibility of positive or negative outcomes of the stock market? Well, here's one. I need to know my risk tolerance. It's kind of like slowing down. Mm Before you jump into this stock, Bubba, you probably need to think, you know, I own too many tech stocks. Mm-hmm. So for just quickly, what is risk tolerance? Um, I, I, I think the best way to describe that is how much, uh, how much you're willing to lose or how much you're willing to see your account value decline okay. before you get really nervous and scared and pull out. Some people are tolerant. Yeah, some people are to- some people are very tolerant. Okay. Some people are very much less tolerant. Yeah. Or almost no no tolerance at all. Correct. They will tell you I can't take my account mm-hmm. going down at all. Right. I will freak out and get an ulcer. Mhm. Okay? And there are other people that say, "You know what? It's going to go down two out- or three times out of every 10 years. I've watched yeah. grandpa come through this. I'm fine with it." Just get me diversified. Mm-hmm. All right? So that's kind of a, a conversation or at least a knowledge of yourself related to risk tolerance. The second was time horizon. Mm-hmm. If Phil comes walking in and says, Grandma left me $100,000, but next year I'm going to start a new house. Hmm. Should you take all of his money and sling it into the stock market if he's going to need it within 12 months? No. Hmm. Because there is a possibility we can have one of these negative 37. Right. Uh, you know, we don't know when they're going to come. Mm-hmm. So his time, her- now if he says, maybe within 10 years, Bubba. Right. Within 10 years, I'm going to need some of this for a house mm-hmm. or for a garage. Or I'm going to go on that around the world tour. Now, 10 years time horizon tells you what? Well, that he's got a lot more time mm-hmm. and probably can withstand a little bit more volatility in his account. So it could go up or down some, mm-hmm. but he's probably okay. When we come back, we're going to 
talk about a couple of other ways we ought to be addressing the possibility of loss, but then get comfortable with this from the Advisors Roundtable on Supertalk. Welcome back to the Advisors Roundtable. Certified Financial Planners Greg Cooley and Bubba Labus with you here on Supertalk Radio. So we're talking about some things that uh, everybody ought to do. There's some prescriptions and there's some advice that uh, is tailored to uh, specific uh, situations, but everybody ought to do these things. Don't spend more than you make. Don't get emotional. Educate yourself. Get more comfortable with financial matters. Mm -hmm. All of those things are things that people ought to do. In order for me to be more comfortable crossing a railroad track, I need to slow down. Mm -hmm. I need to listen. I need to look both ways, right? Okay. In order for me to be more comfortable with the economy and with financial matters, I need to educate myself. I need to know my own personal risk tolerance. Is it possible, Bubba, that myself and my wife come into a meeting with you and we have different risks tolerances? Very, very possible. And usually that's the case. She's a little more conservative or aggressive, mm-hmm. and I'm a little yeah. less conservative or aggressive. And it, and it's, I'll tell you this, it's not always the male who is more aggressive. No. Many people would think and assume that, uh, mm-hmm. but many times, um, you know, I, I find it to be the exact opposite. Okay. All right. So what that means is, let's say that my wife is more aggressive. Mm-hmm. On a scale of one to 10, she's an eight. Right. And on a scale of 1 to 10, I'm a 5. Yep. Okay? So what do you do to keep us from arguing and, and to allow us to find some kind of middle ground so we can have a family financial plan? Well, uh, the first thing I do is, is tell them that it's not a competition between Good point. accounts, right? Good. Or or you know, I, each individual IRA or, or joint dollars, that so sort of thing. So she has a 401k at her work. Mm-hmm. And she averages 15%. Right. And I have a 401k at my work, and I average nine. Mm-hmm. And I'm mad. Yeah. She's doing better than, yeah. than I. I'm but, very competitive. But you've got a lower risk tolerance. Ah. Uh, so you, when... You may be more competitive, uh-huh, right? But yeah. But you've got a lower t- risk tolerance. When it comes to... Investments. Investments mm-hmm. and the potential for loss. Yeah. And if we looked at her account, we may see back in 2008, she was down 25%. That's right. And I was only down 10. Right. Yeehaw. I beat mm-hmm. her one time. Yeah. Right? But... And, and that's a good point to make, mm-hmm. is usually in the down markets, you're going to beat the other person, right, be- with, that, with that higher risk tolerance. Yeah. Yeah, because I'm more conservative... Mm-hmm meaning that I have a lower risk tolerance. Yep. Uh, if I'm comfortable with that, that's fine. Sure. Let's say, however, we, we look at, and, and you do a calculation over the last 20 years since we've been married, and she's averaged 15% mm-hmm. over the last 20 years since we've been married. I've averaged nine, and I'm not comfortable with that number. Mm-hmm. Am I going to have to have a personal conversation with myself about my own risk tolerance? Because it ain't going to go up. Yeah. I mean, my my return's probably not going to go up if I'm not going to be more comfortable with the volatility of the world. So you and you may have gotten more comfortable over that twenty year period because I've watched her. Because you you've watched her, maybe you've become more educated. Mm-hmm. 
But on top of that, it's 20 years later. Uh, right? Yeah. So Which means I'm older. You're older. Maybe you've got different objectives and perspectives mm-hmm. going forward. So mm-hmm. even though uh, you might have been more conservative and you think 20 years later you're going to be more aggressive, uh-huh. yeah, you could be. Uh-huh. Maybe you're not. Maybe I'm not. Maybe I shouldn't be even mm-hmm. though I am. Right. Huh? Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of not only financial knowledge here, but personal knowledge and a little bit of mm-hmm. psychology at work here. Yeah. So uh, number one, to get back to your question, I, mm-hmm. I would say don't look at it as a competition between you and your spouse. First point. Good point. Right. Um, and, and secondarily, I, I think any good uh, financial advisor, financial planner mm-hmm. uh, can help you distinguish in your mind the difference between um, doing it as a team, right? What's the end goal for the family? What's the end goal for the couple? Okay. And how do you craft a plan that's going to go together and maybe blended? You know, if you if your spouse is an eight and you're a five and maybe mm-hmm. blended, you're a six, six and a half. Okay. Right? Maybe right. that's an option. All right. And we still let her be an eight. And I can still be mm-hmm. a five or five and a half. And maybe you can look at the whole family. Do you see the family as one portfolio or are we two different uh, competing portfolios? Uh, I see it as one portfolio. Oh. So if that's true, you may Mm -hmm. say, hey, this one family portfolio needs to be 75-25. Yeah. 75% stocks, 25% other investments, bonds and real Mm -hmm. estate and cash and whatever. Maybe you let me have the 25. Right. Or a big portion of the 25, since I'm Mr. Conservative. So um, one other thing about portfolio construction, Mm -hmm. um, and I'm getting real deep into the weeds here. Go ahead. But if you've got um, separate types of accounts, maybe an IRA, an individual account, a Roth account, a joint account, et cetera, et cetera, Mm -hmm. there may be reasons that you take uh, more risk in one type of account versus others. Okay. So if we're looking at it as, as a collective, right, mm-hmm. and we've got, and it doesn't matter if you have $10,000 or $10 million, mm-hmm. um, if you look at it as a collective and you've got a family-oriented outlook, mm-hmm. right, mm-hmm. well, yeah, you know, um, a spouse may be more aggressive, another mm-hmm. spouse may be more conservative, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But there may be reasons and specific reasons uh, based on the portfolio construction that you want a particular type of account to be more aggressive. Maybe it's because of the taxes of that kind of account. Or maybe the penalties that you would have uh-huh. if you take it out before age 59 and a half. Uh-huh. So you might have a longer time perspective on it. Okay. So if I have multiple accounts with you and one of them does mm-hmm. 15% and the other one does 9 I shouldn't be mad at you that both of them didn't do 15%. That's correct. Because one of them may be more conservative, one mm-hmm. of them may, may be more managed related to taxes right. or uh, penalties or age. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. So not only do I don't need to, everybody doesn't need to spend more than they make and they don't need to be emotional and they need to be more educated and they need to get more comfortable with financial matters. The other thing that I think everybody needs to do is be aware of tendencies Mm -hmm. and trends, not just in the economy, but within yourself and your own checkbook. Mm -hmm. You need to be aware. You know what? This year, I seem to be sending more money to the credit card company. Mm -hmm. This year, I haven't paid a little extra on the mortgage. 
What's going on? What have what what have we let ourselves fall into? You had somebody come in and they were having some financial issues a few years ago, and so you mm-hmm. sat down and looked at their their expenditures, and you found that over the last eight or ten years, they had slowly gotten into a trend of spending a whole mm-hmm. lot of money on eating out. Yep. When you presented it to them, did they even realize what was happening? No, they didn't. And then you told them the number. Mm-hmm. Spending how much every month on eating out? It was it was better than 30% of their overall income. They'd slowly, over time, gotten a little raise here mm-hmm. or gotten a different debit card or a different credit mm-hmm. card or whatever, and so they're pulling through for breakfast. Yeah. And nothing extreme happened that month, right. and so they pulled through every day for breakfast. Correct. And then they realized that you know they could do this, and mm-hmm. so now they're doing it for lunch. And then they're doing it for dinner four or mm-hmm. five or six nights a week. And then they say, you know, I don't seem to be making much headway mm-hmm. on paying off my mortgage. Yeah. Hmm. I don't seem to be saving in my Roth IRA. Lifestyle shift Mm. is another concept that we could briefly touch on. Yeah. Um, Let's say that you're rocking along, you're doing great, and then all of a sudden uh, you get a raise or a promotion. Mm -hmm. Well, because you've got more income coming in, then you decide, well, you know what, I think I can afford a little bit more expensive of a car. And maybe you can. And maybe you can. Okay. Um, however, um, just because you have more income doesn't need to doesn't be... necessarily equate to more savings. You, uh, you need to be specific with uh, it. Uh, all right. So maybe I can put a little extra on car payments, mm-hmm. but maybe this is the time that I address the fact that we don't have enough life insurance right. or I'm not saving enough for the kids college Correct. or I'm not saving enough for retirement. So you're saying that there should be a priority where these mm-hmm. extra dollars go. Correct. And I can only be aware of that if I'm aware of the trends, if I'm aware of what's happening, and I review this pretty often, which is the last point I want to make. You need to be reviewing this pretty often. This needs to be seen as a business decision yeah. for the family, and this adulting sometimes ain't easy. Mm-hmm. You can't necessarily put it on autopilot. Everybody needs to be doing these things we talked about today. And hopefully, we'll all be a little bit more successful. I hope we talked about some things that are important to you and have been recently affecting you today from the Advisors Roundtable on Supertalk.
discussion and content expressed by the host of the Advisors Roundtable are intended to be received as news, educational, and entertainment or unit items and are not to be accepted by the listener as legal, investment, insurance, or tax advice. Opinions and views will be expressed by guests of the Advisors Roundtable, and those opinions and views are those of the guests alone and do not necessarily reflect the views of the Advisors Roundtable host or any of its affiliated radio stations. All information provided is educational in nature and is not intended to be acted upon without first consulting the appropriately licensed professional of your choosing. Before acting upon any information obtained during an Advisors Roundtable broadcast, an individual should understand matters are extremely tax-specific and require advice tailored to individual facts and needs. Certified financial planners Greg Cooley and Andrew Labus are registered representatives of S.A. Stone Wealth Management Incorporated. Securities offered through S.A. Stone Wealth Management Incorporated, member FINRA, SIPC. Advisory services offered through Ignite Planters, LLC. Ignite Planters, LLC is not affiliated with S.A. Stone Wealth Management Incorporated.